Welcome to episode 27 of the Under Further Review podcast with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. Um, and we are going to kick off this week's uh, episode with um, it's sort of the biggest celebrity um, legal issue that's uh, come along in quite some time, certainly going on now, the um, Bill Cosby sexual assault trial that's happening um, in Pennsylvania as we... Not actually as we speak, because I don't think they have court on Saturdays, but it's we're in the middle of the trial now. Yes. Uh, so we are right in the middle of the trial. The prosecution's case rested on Friday, and so the defense case will start on Monday. There has been um, chatter, of course, as to whether or not Bill Cosby will testify. and uh, it is Seems believed... like a real bad idea. Yeah, but, it uh... does. <laughs> it, it's believed, uh, according to his lawyer, he is not, but according to his spokesperson, he is, so I don't know if we're supposed to believe I mean I'm sure it will just depend on how things play out right you mean there's someone else in the world whose lawyer says one thing and their spokespeople <laughs> say the other whoa <laughs> yeah it's it's um... sorry that was unnecessary <laughs> um so this uh, for those of you we did talk about the um sort of broader Bill Cosby issues in episode um, 16, uh, but for those who need a refresher on this particular horror, um, Bill Cosby has been accused by, at this point, I think it's up to 60 women, oh. of um, him drugging them and sexually assaulting them over a something like 40 to 50 year time frame. I think it started back in the late 60s, early 70s. Those are when his earliest accusers have um, come from. Through to, I believe, the uh, woman who is the victim in the trial that's going on now, Andrea Constand, is, seems to be sort of the last or most recent person to come forward with um, assault claims against Mr. Cosby. The um, Consistently, the women who have made these accusations have told the same story um, of being him inviting them over somewhere, um, you know, whether it was home, hotel rooms. Um, providing them with some kind of drink or pills. They then felt really weird, and he um, attacked them after that. Uh, so the the subject of this current trial is um, allegations that he uh, sexually assaulted Andrea Constand, who at the time of the alleged assault was working for Temple University um, in their athletics department. I can't remember if, if she was working for a particular sport, Sports team or just the athletics department in general? Um, I don't recall if she was working for a particular sports team, but I do. My understanding is that she had frequent telephone conversations or made phone calls to Bill Cosby in and around the time frame of when the uh, alleged sexual assault occurred related to Temple basketball. So Right. So Bill Cosby, for those of you who may not know, was a trustee uh, at Temple University at the time um, that the alleged assault occurred. And so part of the sort of accusations that have been uh, going back and forth through the trial um, are that Andrea Constand was looking to advance her career and um, basically let Bill Cosby do whatever he was going to do to her in order to, for her to become, um, I think someone has alleged she wanted to be like the athletic director or something. Um, according to her, you know, she was interested in getting into the massage therapy uh, 
business. Um, and that really, you know, whatever she was doing with Bill Cosby had nothing to do with career advancement. Um, also, you know, she has, I believe, said on the stand that, you know, part of the reason that she kept talking to him, um, because as Genevieve just said, you know, there's records of them continuing to have phone, uh, frequent phone conversations mm-hmm. even after the alleged assault had taken place. Um, Ms. Constant has said, basically, he's the trustee of the university at which I worked. Like, I didn't want to make him angry. That didn't seem like mm-hmm. the best idea for my career. So, um, not a career advancement issue in as much as it was, I, I don't want to lose my job yes, and need to keep him happy. a preservation issue. Um, and I think it was, like, she, it sounds like she had actual reasons to call um, following right. up on either fundraising or other uh, other facets related to the school's basketball program so yeah it's um so the prosecution has put on several expert witnesses that essentially described the physical effects of like quaaludes which is the alleged drug um that was purportedly taken (laughs) i don't know how many times we're going to say alleged yeah i guess can we do like a blanket disclaimer (laughs) all of this is alleged um none of it has been proven yet that's why we're having a trial so 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 these expert witnesses are talking or are testifying to what the effects are on the on a person when they when they take these drugs and they're very similar in terms of how she felt like frozen or paralyzed she really couldn't move or um, try to extricate herself from the situation, and uh, and they're using a lot of um, Bill Cosby's deposition testimony from a civil suit from 2005 uh, involving Andrew Constant, yes. right? Um, to sort of uh, not only reaffirm what she went through, um, but also at the time, I think Bill Cosby said that he slipped or he gave him Benadryl, and he used that as a sleep aid. Um, and also discussed how quaaludes going back to the 1970s and 1980s was like just a recreational drug and um, it was used for uh, just providing someone with a high uh, in terms of just having a good time. It was a party drug. Um, but the expert witnesses have, have come and come on stand and testified, you know, these are the effects on a person. And um, so that's why she, she wasn't resistant. She didn't fight back. She wasn't able to. Um, and that's, so that's been kind of interesting. The other, the other, uh, I don't want to call him a star of the, uh, trial so far, but, um, the New Yorker has a really interesting article and it, uh, sort of compares the testimony of Andrea Constance's mother to, uh, this police, former police detective. He might actually still be a police, um, officer in the township in Pennsylvania where this all took place, uh, but so they compare and contrast the, essentially the two styles and personalities of these people involved in the prosecution's case, and where uh, Gianna Constand, you know, comes out and appears very much to be the protective, like mama bear of her daughter, and mm-hmm. fighting for her and trying to get Bill Cosby to um, admit to what happened to her daughter, you know, the evening at when she was at his house during a two-hour phone conversation that took place after the assault. Um, it was just, it's just really strange that, like, you have a woman picking up the phone, calling your assaulter, the sexual predator, trying to basically call you out on the mat for your actions, and Bill Cosby is explaining these things, and it was very... 
tortured and creepy way and called um, Andrea Constance's mom mom um, during this conversation. Ew. It was, yeah, it was just creepy mm. and weird. Um, you know, he was describing the events to her over the phone, and Andrea at one point was told to pick up the, like the other extension, not the other line. I know for people out there, like picking up the telephone is a weird concept now, but <laughs> it used to happen. I don't know that our, our listener listeners are so young they wouldn't remember like hard line mm-hmm. landline phones, but maybe not. Yeah, I don't, we don't know who our audience is really. It's a really torturous part of my teenage years that I tried to be on the phone and then my mother would like randomly pick up the phones screaming like, get off the line! <laughs> Me too! <Yeah. laughs> With my dad though. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there was, but there is a phone record, you know, phone bills show that there was this two hour conversation between the Constance and Bill Cosby. But the other, um, the other person discussed in this New Yorker article is the police sergeant, uh, I want to say his name is Richard Schaefer. Yes. And there was, um, some points in his testimony where he was asked to basically go over police reports and um and his his recollection of the events and, and his i guess characterization of events but he is a, he comes across with like a very dry sense of humor very sassy as um diana moskovitz who writes for jezebel put it um basically anytime he could have just answered with a simple like yes or no he um you know had to he had a little flair uh for lack of a better term um you know when trying to get him to when Cosby's attorney would try and get the uh detective Schaefer to kind of admit um or agree with something that Bill Cosby had said or the way Bill Cosby had characterized something Schaefer would respond well that's what he says sir mm-hmm. um so it it made for um, at least some interesting reading uh, after the fact, but he was this detective did not seem to want to give an inch on um, any of uh, the defense's allegations with respect to Ms. Constan that she knew that she was taking she knew what was in the pill she was taking or that you know this was a romantic relationship it was consensual right not that. I guess not that it proves anything, but um, another issue that Ms. Constand has brought up to um, make it clear that this was not a kind of romantic, consensual uh, arrangement is that she is a lesbian, um, so why she would be running off with Bill Cosby, um, it seems like it would sort of disprove that particular point. It would Um, seem contrary to um, her, an inclination, and I don't mean that in a nature technical term, just why would she put herself through this if... She wasn't interested in a consensual relationship with Bill Cosby. Yeah. Um, so I think Bill Cosby did also, as part of the conversation with uh, Ms. Constan's mother, um, basically tried to make it sound like she was just mad because Bill Cosby's an old man and was, like, bothering her daughter, not because he sexually assaulted her, which is <laughs> gross and misguided. But uh, Yeah, at the time, well, it's still true, uh, Bill Cosby, I think, is, like, 36 years older than Ms. Constan, I think. Right, because yeah. she's in her early 40s now, and he's almost 80, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the part of the back and forth between uh, Cosby's attorney, McGonagall, and uh, Sergeant Schaefer, McGonagall is essentially trying to get uh, Schaefer to admit or to um, agree to the fact that uh, Ms. Constan took these pills voluntarily, that she was an adult, she took them in her mouth or she wasn't force fed them or they weren't in a drink or something and 
Schaefer said, um, yeah, under the guise that she was taking herbal pills. In her mind, if she's taking the pills, she believes they're herbal. So, that... Well, I guess that's still a question when about how you define consent, right? Because, like, even if she took the pills, she knew what they were voluntarily, does that mean that Bill Cosby then has the right to do whatever he wants with her inner body? Like, I would argue, unless they came to that agreement before she, before took, the she pills, took the pills, um, you know, just because you are so incapacitated that you can't actually say no, um, and you do have the right to change your mind, um as uh, Mr. Detective Schaefer pointed out in another context later on in his testimony, um, you know, it would still seem, I don't know what his lawyer's trying to prove other than he didn't force her to take the pills. That it was a consensual relationship. That, yeah. That the, the, the drugs were used in a recreational True. way, not that in That she a... knew what was going to happen and she mm-hmm. was okay with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is... Uh, not true yeah and you know i mean i i get being attorneys i think we understand the zealous defense of your client concept but it just seems really despicable um but everybody deserves a defense so uh he's gotta do what he's gotta do i guess still does not feel like a great day to be a lawyer when you read this stuff but (laughs) um nope not really Um, So, yeah, so Bill Cosby will be able to put on his case in defense starting on Monday. Um, I don't I don't think I read how long it's slated to go, but I think the as we've discussed, his defense is really that it was consensual, that um, she knew that what she was doing and it um, it was used recreationally. It was like Benadryl, which it's not. At least I don't think it is. Yeah, I mean, I've never taken quaaludes. I have taken plenty of Benadryl in my life. And, um, you know, you feel drowsy, but, like, I could walk. <laughs> if someone had tried to, like, attack me, I could have at least moved my limbs to try exactly, and fight them try off. try to get so, away. Yeah. Um, which does not sound like uh, she was able to do. And, you know, one, I, this is kind of jumping back in the trial a little bit, and I don't know that there's any news coverage of it, but it'd be interesting to me to see how they were able to select an impartial jury Mm -hmm. just because this story um after again for folks who uh, maybe weren't paying attention to this or um, i can't remember if we talked about this specific issue in our prior episode but um the whole thing there have been rumors about bill cosby and his inappropriate behavior as women for a very long time um and then the comedian hannibal burris made a joke about it um Bill Cosby being the butt of the joke. I don't think he was mocking these poor women. Um, And the whole story just exploded again. And that's when a lot of women, more women started to come Mm -hmm. out. I think at the time, Hannibal Burris, um, of Hannibal Burris's comedy set, there were maybe 13 women who had come out publicly to say they had been assaulted by Bill Cosby in this manner. Um, And again, I think that number is now up to 60. Um, There's a cover story in New York Magazine that had all of the Maybe not all of them, but um, a number of his alleged victims. And it's just the the story and just the photo of all of these people sitting in one room together is really striking. Um, But given the publicity, it'd be interesting to hear how the jury selection process went, which Um, is usually not made public, but just as a side thought. I know that at some point during the beginning of the trial... Uh, the judge or maybe maybe def- 
Cosby's defense team said that you do have to sort of shut yourself off to all of the, like the rumors or the chatter or the allegations in the outside world and focus on this particular case because this is the case that's in front of you, not all the other the other allegations that are not yet proven. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I guess, according to some people, like the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Like, right? They, people knew that this was going on. Um, I think that it's interesting in that uh, because of Andrea Constance's case, it really she is sort of the symbol for all of these victims, for all of the sixty to seventy women who have been victimized by Bill Cosby, and I think a lot of a lot there's a lot more at stake here than just what's happening personally to the constans i think yeah i think at this point her case is probably the only one that hasn't gone outside the statute of limitations so this is really the only chance for justice for a lot of these Mm -hmm. most of these women even if it's not um their particular case uh to i i don't know i hope that offers them to the extent he's convicted, I hope it offers them some measure of comfort that, you know, somebody's he's being held responsible for something. Um, so, uh, so yeah, she is. It does seem like this is bigger than just this one woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and yeah. <laughs> I think that there's... So, the other... I mean, Bill Cosby, I think, has been slowly going blind over the last several years. I think he's almost... Right totally blind now or i don't know if it's completely blind or legally blind i think that's why he whenever you see him walking in and out of court he's always leaning on people my understanding is it's because he can't see um yes and i think there are also uh, indications that he might be suffering from dementia as well which might make him not a very good witness in his own defense right um rudy huxtable was with him i saw that i once saw her on a ride at disney world Yes, Disney World. That's the one in Florida. It's my Keisha Knight Pulliam story. <laughs> um, oh, actually, I say that. Apparent. I don't think we ever discussed this on the podcast, but Keisha Knight Pulliam um, is in a custody battle with her ex-husband. She was pregnant. Um, while she was pregnant, her husband accused her of cheating on him. I think said that the baby wasn't his. Anyway, the, re- the reason that this is relevant here is that she may have violated their custody agreement by attending the um, trial with Bill Cosby. Um, I've not gotten any details on that. I just saw the headline as I was oh. doing research for this particular story, but um, we can get some more info on that and talk about it next, Interesting. next time. Yeah, because she didn't bring the kid. Uh-huh. Unless she hasn't had the baby yet, but in which case, like, it's not like he can do anything to the baby, so who cares? Yeah, you can't say that this person has to stay in the state. Although, God only knows, with the way that our legal system is going, I mean, she may just effectively be treated like an incubator for purposes of the law, and the baby is the only (laughs) thing that matters. Um, For more on that, (laughs) you might want to revisit our uh, podcast that we had on Sofia Vergara and her her eggs. Yeah, we've had, uh, man, there are a lot of, like... um, embryo issues with famous people um but well if if we get more information and this story about keisha knight pulliam uh kind of uh gets fleshed out we'll be sure to report back on it uh what was the ride that you saw her on at disney world uh pirates of the caribbean uh, before the movie happened because i'm old (laughs) um yeah she was there with her whole family and i was there with my parents and i I think I've shared this before. The Cosby Show used to be my favorite show of all time. Uh, it has now been sullied, which is really the important part of all of this. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Um, but yeah, so she, I was probably 12, and I think she and I are about the same age. So she and her brothers and her mom, I assume those were her brothers and her mom. We didn't have Wikipedia then, so I couldn't confirm. Anyway, we were all on the ride together, and it was 
fun and they seem to have a good time. And oh, excellent. I really wish I'd gotten to talk to Rudy Huxtable, but I probably would have called her Rudy Huxtable and that would have been weird. So it all worked out okay. I'm sure that was probably something that she was kind of used to. I guess. Yeah. You would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Her um, friend Kenny was not there. Maybe I love were, Kenny. You know, <laughs> bud. <laughs> Um, I was a big fan of her friend Peter from the earlier seasons who never talked. Peter the Asian kid, right? No, Peter the chubby little white boy. Oh, yes. Okay, he was freckly. Kind he had of, a really round like, head. Yes. Yeah. And he smiled all the time, but you're okay. Right, and he would, he would run, he ran like he fled from their house on a couple <laughs> of occasions, but yeah, well. Peter was fun. <laughs> Um, so there's no easy transition from Bill Cosby to our next story. No, I guess except that we'll, uh, trial's still going on, so we'll, we'll update you as, uh, as necessary. As um, necessary, yes. Yeah. developments happen. Um, so, uh, we have talked a lot about the NBA, uh, playoffs and championship, uh, in the last couple of weeks, so there are other playoffs <laughs> happening and other championships being decided at this time as well. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in this weird war of blowouts with the National Predators for the Stanley Cup. Game mm-hmm. 5 took place on Thursday, which was two days ago. Game 6 is scheduled for, for tomorrow, tomorrow, Sunday. We're recording this on the 10th. Uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful day here in Northern California. It really is. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the um, one of the funnier things, so nothing really, oh, there's like one legal thing, one legal angle to uh, this whole discussion. Sidney and- Crosby's a criminal. <laughs> That's not it, Burke. No. Um, so a natural predator. So natural predators fans uh, throw catfish on the ice in their this, home arena. Yeah, this is a tradition that I think has developed. Started, maybe it didn't start them, but I'm I, the most famous uh, throwing animals, dead animals uh, tradition um, is from Detroit, yep. where they throw octopi onto the rink, and that used to be the. the as many of you should know, I hope Octop- octopi have eight tentacles, and you used to need to win eight games to get the, to win the Stanley Cup. And the oh, Detroit, that's where it's from. And the Detroit Red Wings won all the time, um, and so their fans started this tradition of throwing octopi onto the ice. And now, as the tradition has become, I mean, it's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. but with teams opening um, or you know, moving to all various and sundry places in the in the country, um, local traditions have developed. Uh, there was a guy in San Jose who threw a dead baby shark on the ice, which is super gross. Um, and in Nashville, as it so happens, they throw catfish. Because um, yeah. I guess they have catfish in. Yeah. I don't know why they don't throw hot chicken onto the that ice. That would be way better than throwing catfish on. Well, in Ottawa, um, a couple years ago, they had their goalie, um, who was a rookie at the time, but he was playing really well. His name was Andrew Hammond, and his nickname was the Hamburglar. And so people would throw, like, McDonald's hamburgers and cheeseburgers on the ice That's... after games that he won. Um, and then one of his teammates picked up a rink cheeseburger and ate it like in the middle of a post-game interview which is so disgusting that's really gross anyway because uh, if you're throwing it at the end of the game that means it's been in someone's pocket for the entire game unless there was a mcdonald's at the arena hopefully yeah i have i've never been to the arena in ottawa so i don't know still um i 
I'm glad that they have stopped essentially throwing octopi on the ice in, um, for Red Wings games because I don't know if you know this, but octopi are insanely smart animals. So really? I just thought it was really sad that they were like sacrificing these really amazingly smart, creative creatures and for the purposes of just checking them on the ice. And the guy who was in charge of like cleaning up the ice would like hold the octopi and <laughs> whip it around his head like you do with like a towel or something, which is. Gross. So gross. I just seemed, I don't know if, they, I'm assuming they were dead when they got thrown yeah, I, onto the rink, but ugh. They're not going to be surviving in someone's pants for like a while. Probably not, gone. and I don't know how, so obviously, um, maybe not so obviously, there are pretty strict rules nowadays about what you can bring into arenas. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they had to hide them as, um, it takes as it's dramatic true. steps to hide them as they do now, so... Uh, maybe they weren't like taped to their legs, but yes, it's okay. still ugh. So anyway. The, so the story <laughs> is that um, a Predators fan named Jacob Waddle or Waddell uh, went to game three of the series. No, no game one because the oh, yeah, one and right, two, two were in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, he paid seven hundred dollars for his tickets. The game is in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, which you may not have picked up on. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, took a catfish. Um, and he filleted it. He cut, like, part of... The... He ran it no, over. No, oh, okay. I know. So <laughs> Sorry. He filleted it. He filleted it. <laughs> he took part of the backbone out. Then he took it into his driveway and ran it over with his truck numerous times to flatten it out. But according to him, he couldn't get the head flat. He just kept going over the head, but it wouldn't flatten out. I mean, don't catfish have pretty flat heads? I thought so, too. But according to him, he um, not, no. <laughs> he drove over the head numerous times. Jesus. He then vacuum sealed it. Thank God. <laughs> vacuum sealed it. And then... Um, took it up to Pittsburgh where the game was being held and then basically put it in his pants. So according to the crotch of his pants, according (laughs) to this article, it was, he was wearing like boxers and then he had the fish and then he put a pair of compression shorts over them. So it would be like, cause, cause you probably do maybe get pat down sometimes when you go through stadium security, possibly if you're setting off like metal detectors or whatever. I guess what the hell was in the catfish that he, (laughs) I don't know, but it was, um, yeah, it between his underwear and compression shorts. And then he put pants on top of that. And he didn't just show up to the game in compression shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Pew. (laughs) He had pants on top, but he spent, um, and then he doused himself with cologne just in case any of that catfish. Yeah, he like up. soaked the fucking catfish in Old Spice or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at some point in the game, he had coordinated with Predators fans who were much closer to the rink than he was, so that he could go down to the front, take out the fish from his pants, unzip the vacuum seal bag, and then chucked it on the ice. Did he explain like what I? I just cannot imagine I'm sitting watching a hockey game and then all of a sudden the man next to me starts like fishing around <laughs> in his pants for a fish. So I, I like, wouldn't you have called security? Like how was he able to get the fish out of his compression pants and fast enough, compression shorts fast enough to then not attract attention to himself for shoving his hands down his pants in a public area and then chuck it over the, because yeah. the cops didn't catch up with him until he was like out of the arena. Out of the arena. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe he was sitting in a natural predator section. Oh, so, so no one would call yeah, him. So yeah, so no one would call him on it. So going back to, just really quickly, <laughs> the head and the truck. So uh, 
he ran it over the truck to make it easier to vacuum pack and conceal but he said according to him the head was too damn big no matter how much i ran it over with my truck the head was too big <laughs> sorry right. so he so the police did finally catch up with him after he'd left yeah and they charged him with three misdemeanors which i think are possession three. of an instrument of crime is my favorite <laughs> of the charges yeah. uh what was disturbing a meeting was yes <laughs> was another charge yeah, um, and uh and disorderly conduct okay. which that's that the only one kind of makes sense yes. um my understanding is that the um within a day the charges were all dismissed mm-hmm. probably because the district attorney there was like why the fuck am i wasting my time <laughs> on this um just go back to nashville yes um so basically before the game in pittsburgh there were signs and places and shops saying that they weren't going to sell catfish to anybody in the mm. fear that, you know, Predators fans would buy catfish from local stores and throw them on the ice. But the ingenuity and the creativity and the stick to itness of this one Jacob Waddell to bring his own catfish friend Nashville in his shorts. It's pretty impressive. It's um, like and hardcore. Disgusting. Yes. Uh, but listen, you know, people are dedicated. What, what can you do? It's... Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's gross, but, like, who's he hurting? No one, really. I mean, I guess... The just, catfish was already dead. It's yes. not like he killed the catfish. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. They didn't explain where he got the catfish from. No, he could have just gotten it from his local Publix. Mm-hmm. Um, Do they have those in Tennessee? I don't... I know it's a southern thing. I know they have them in Georgia in and Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I... I do have to applaud his creativity. I think the only thing that, like, basically, it's it might have stopped the game. They have to scrape the catfish up from the ice because I'm imagining it's, it's going to stick as soon as it lands. That's what there was another podcast I was listening to that talks about hockey. They were discussing just this issue, and um, their big takeaway was how did the fish not get totally trashed when he was running it over with his truck? Maybe catfish are way more resilient than we give them credit for. Maybe. Yeah, I just, I would think if you ran something over, I mean, I don't know, like, I've made, like, chicken sandwiches, like, cooked chicken where you hammer it out, <laughs> yes. and, like, the chicken will shred sometimes, <laughs> so I can't imagine what would happen if I ran it over with my car. Yes, and he's, and it sounds like he ran it over multiple times, And too. the head had no, no change. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the heads of catfish, who knew, um, is, they're basically, like, Wolverine. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, um, so, that's, that's probably the only legal, um portion of the whole story for the playoffs but there's been a lot of interesting i don't know scraps stupid fights i don't know between Sidney crosby and pk suban right so those are um sydney crosby is uh, arguably the biggest star in the nhl he's getting on in years now um since oh god he's gonna be 30 this year i think um but he probably the most established star i think in the nhl right now and P.K. Subban, um, this is his first year with the Predators. He was traded from uh, the Montreal Canadiens in the offseason. Um, and what's kind of hilarious is that the uh, Canadiens GM basically took the position, we'll never win with P.K. Subban. <laughs> um, so he's got to go. They got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. And P.K. Subban is playing in the Stanley Cup. Um, so, bully for you, Mark Bergeman. <laughs> um, Anyway, P.K. Subban, um, although arguably, you know, not the best player on the Predators, he's certainly the most visible and vocal. Um, he has a, really a r- remarkably charming personality, and um, a lot of people like him, so he gets a lot of attention um, from the media, and he and Crosby have um, been butting heads 
literally and figuratively throughout this <laughs> series. Um, started, I feel like things kind of blew up at the end of Game 3. That's so where I was thinking Game 3. Games yeah. 1 and 2, the Predators lost pretty badly. Um, mm-hmm. And after Game 2, P.K. Subban guaranteed that the Preds would win Game 3, um, which his coach tried to walk back because you don't do things like that in <laughs> hockey. Um, so anyway, the Predators did win Game 3. Um, and at the end of the game, they won it by quite a large margin, as I recall. At the end of the game... Sidney Crosby and P.K. Subban were kind of shouting at one another. Um, and then P.K. Subban came over for his post-game interview, and they asked, well, what, what did he say to you? And he goes, well, he was telling me I had really bad breath. <laughs> you know, I used Listerine before I came out here. I don't know what he's talking about, but, yeah, he told me I had really bad breath and, you know, to go away. Which, you know, knowing if people follow hockey, like, Sidney Crosby is a remarkable hockey player. He's a very bland personality. <laughs> so you could kind of see, well, maybe that was true. Like he's complaining about his bad breath. But um, we've subsequently learned, uh, based on the correct reporting skills of the folks at Showtime who were doing, I think it's called All Access, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, is it like 24-7? Or is that their boxing show? No, so HBO did a 24-7 oh. for the Winter Classics oh, for a couple years. But then it went away because whoever... The guy who spearheaded that effort, whose name is escaping me at the moment, no longer works at HBO. Um, so that's how Epics does the one for the um, Winter Classic now, mm-hmm. and Showtime has picked up the, this show on the um, Stanley Cup final. So they were able to get uh, mics or sound on what the actual back and forth was, um, and Genevieve and I could do a dramatic <laughs> reenaction reenactment. <laughs> Um, that would be... for you. Do you want to take the role of uh, P.K. Subban or, or Sidney Crosby? Um, I could either one. Which I'll, I'll do. How about if I do Sidney Crosby since you're a P.K. Subban fan? Okay, so I'm P.K. Subban. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Hey, fuck you. Hey, get the fuck out of here. You don't want you fucking idiot. End scene. <laughs> So, nary a word about bad breath. Um, no, but I'm impressed with P.K. Subban's ability to, like, be shouting at Sidney Crosby and then, within moments, come up with this whole Listerine story. He, I think, showed up to the rink with, list, like, a bottle yeah, of Listerine, bottle of Listerine yeah. with him the next time he was there. Mm-hmm. So, he's really keeping the bit going. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the genius of, like, the, the whole thing, right? Because then Sidney Crosby is being like questioned on like why did yeah. you did you say these things to him why would you say this to him and he's like I didn't say those things <laughs> to him so instantly you know Sidney Crosby's on the defensive in his post game interviews about yeah. these yeah I thought it was a stroke of genius whatever you do to get into your opponent's head right yeah I mean it didn't work out so well since they lost like six and nothing in the next game um, but yeah so so then in Oops. game. Game five. five. Yeah. Yes. There was a, another. They actually had a. Or I guess two games away. Sorry. Because yeah. they did the Predators won game four. Um, so game five was Thursday night. What the. The Predators lost very badly. Um, and But there was a physical scuffle between um, Sidney Crosby and P.K. Subban where if you just turn it on, if you just look at the video, Sidney Crosby is basically sitting on P.K. Subban's back and like smashing his head into the ice. Subban is wearing a helmet, but I don't know if that makes it any better. Um, but as apparently P.K. Subban, which you can't see from the video, um, so this is another alleged uh, situation, <laughs> had Sidney Crosby's feet wrapped up in his ankles, so Sidney Crosby couldn't move. 
Um, and maybe Sidney Crosby was just punching him in the head to like get, get him, him to, to let, let go. go of. So he could, yeah. It still doesn't. It's not a good look. No, but that's the whole thing, right? Sidney Crosby looks horrible in this. He Which comes is, off looking like a bully. And it's really bad since Sidney Crosby. For folks who follow hockey, Sidney Crosby has suffered from some pretty severe um, head trauma. Yeah, he was... over probably since oh god, when did he he got hit in the head? In, I think it was the 2011 Winter Classic by um, Eric Fair, is my recollection. They were playing the Capitals. Um, he got just, like, elbowed in the head. It was really awful. He was out for a year. Because yeah. it turned out they his neck got messed up and no one... This There's... I'm going on a bit of a tangent with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but there have been some allegations that their medical staff is not that great. Um, Google it if you want more information. Um, Because Sidney Crosby, as it turned out, they were treating him for a concussion, but what apparently happened was, like, his neck got all screwed up when he got hit in the head, and if they had just, like, done some chiropractic work to begin with, Mm -hmm. he may not have been out for a whole year. And how medical professionals whose little job it is um, <laughs> to, to like take care of athletes, didn't notice this. I don't know. But um, in any event, he that was just sort of like the worst of his concussions. Mm-hmm. He's had a concussion this season. He was out for part of the playoffs? Uh, he may have started the playoffs late, yeah. But anyway, for someone with his history to be, you know, bashing someone's head into the ice, it's just not... <laughs> Not a good look. No, it's not. And again, I think it sort of forces him to be on the defensive about... Which is fun. I know, P.K. Subban is like, this is genius. And, I mean, P.K. Subban's just a delight. He's very personable. Whenever you see him in interviews, he's had some amazing Halloween costumes. You should look him up when he dressed up as Prince. It's (laughs) really impressive. Um, He's a fun follow on Instagram. His nieces and nephews are super cute. uh, They're frequently photographed with him um and uh yeah and he seems to have certainly gotten kind of a raw deal coming out of montreal um so it's nice to see things going well sort of well for him i guess it'll depend on uh how things work out in game six yeah tomorrow tomorrow. back in nashville yeah it's um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting so those are our two main stories um, for this week, and uh, shifting to our three-minute warning, just really quickly. His middle name is Sylvester. Yeah, Parnell Carl Sylvester Suban. What a name! Yeah, PK. Um, and his brothers um, Malcolm and Jordan also play hockey. Malcolm is in the Boston Bruins um, farm system, and I think I think Jordan is his youngest brother. He plays in the Vancouver Canucks system. Oh. Uh, he used to play, uh, P.K. Subban used to play for the Bruins, right? No, oh. he played for Montreal, who's oh, the, the Bruins' whole time? big rival. Oh. Well, one of our big rivals, okay. um, which is why I couldn't fully embrace my love of P.K. Subban until this year. So I'm really leaning into it now, because uh, <laughs> I've been waiting a long time. Um, so, oh, okay. yeah. And I think, like, his sisters played college basketball or something. They're a very athletic family. Sounds like it. Um, yeah, cool. Um... So, very quickly, uh, Enos Cantor, we talked about him two weeks ago, maybe. Uh, he had that, the Turkish government rescinded his passport while he was overseas, but somehow he got back into the United States. Um, and in part of that discussion, we mentioned that he had not spoken to his parents for a number of years because he and his parents are like on the opposite sides of the political fence um, in regards to... Uh, Turkish President Erdogan, his parents are Erdogan supporters, where Enes Kanter is basically called Erdogan the 
like the century's Hitler. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Enos Kanner's father was arrested by the government um, and was held in custody for five days. He was just released. My understanding is that he will have to continue to report to the police. I'm not really sure why he was arrested, whether that was a way to get to Enos Cantor or if there was some other reason for his arrest, but uh, just to follow up on Enos Cantor. Um, and another follow-up from last week on uh, the Tiger Woods saga. Uh, so when we uh, were first talking about this, we had copies of the police report that indicated that he had registered some kind of positive blood alcohol uh, rating um, that caused the uh, officers to arrest him um, when they found him having wrecked his car and asleep in the driver's seat. With his engine running. (laughs) uh, Which seems like horribly dangerous. But um, anyway, he apparently, Tiger Woods, um, they've now said uh, Tiger Woods was not drunk, but instead was having a bad uh, side effect or reaction, I guess, to Xanax. Um, the anti-anxiety medication, mm-hmm. and um, when he was questioned by police, they asked him if he'd had any alcohol. He said no. Asked him if he had any illegal drugs. He said no. But when they asked if he was on any medications, he said he was taking some Xanax. Um, still doesn't quite explain why he was driving around at three o'clock in the morning and crashed his car. But mm-hmm. uh, no, it doesn't. We may never find out why that happened. But um, that's the. The story on Tiger Woods, everyone is now in agreement that he was not drunk driving um, for whatever that's worth. So uh, just it seemed odd to me that the police report talked about the uh, his blood alcohol content or whatever the C stands for in BAC. No, it's content. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's content. Um, um, but uh, but that it was like it was zero, zero, zero. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, that's a, a very scary thing where, you know, if he can't really remember how he got to where he was and he crashed his car. I know Ambien, they're, they're those, you know, reports that you'll mm-hmm. start walking or you'll basically sleepwalk while you're on Ambien. I didn't think that um, Xanax, Xanax had the same. same. Yeah, because Xanax I thought was anti-anxiety as opposed to, like, Ambien, which actually is supposed to, to make it, you fall yeah, asleep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that. For the um, other quick story in our three-minute warning, um, Derek Fisher... <laughs> Was um, is the gift that keeps on giving? <laughs> so a few like last year was it last year? I think it was last year. It was at the start of the basketball season because it didn't. Was it? Oh yeah. So it would have still been 2016 though. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Derek Fisher is seeing Matt Barnes's ex-wife Gloria Govan. Yes. And at some point, former reality show star. Oh. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> at some point. Um, Matt Barnes's kids, who were staying with their mom, Gloria Govan, uh, called Matt Barnes, and I don't know if they had said something to trigger a response in Matt Barnes, like, I have to go and check on my kids, or something's happening with them, I need to go see them, or maybe he just felt like driving 50 minutes to Gloria's house, where he ended up beating up Derek Fisher. Because they were training in Santa Barbara, but she lives in LA, or is it the reverse? I think it might be the reverse, because he might have been in L.A. LA. But anyways, it was like a 50-minute drive for him to go to her house and then beat up Derek Fisher. Matt Barnes ended up being suspended for two games for this. Was that what spurred him to say that, like, violence is never the answer, except sometimes it is? Which I've started using in my (laughs) daily life often. Since November. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's what spurred him to say that. So, um, So Matt Barnes has taken to Instagram... 
on and off for the last several months, basically throwing shade at Derek Fisher. It's kind of funny. Um, but this most recent episode, Derek Fisher was driving in a, I think like a 2016 Escalade maybe, uh, that um, with Gloria Govan, and he hit a guardrail and flipped the Escalade. Neither one of them were hurt. He was um, found to have been driving under the influence, but... The best part is that the Escalade is registered to Matt Barnes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the best. Um, yeah, before the story that he was driving under the influence came out, part of me wondered if Derek Fisher wrecked the car on purpose. Just to... <laughs> oh, because it was Matt Barnes's car? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, there have, been, have there been criminal charges? Do we know where the case is going um i don't know if there are criminal charges oh wait i don't know if there are criminal charges um yeah it, <laughs> it just, so matt barnes is busy playing in the uh championship finals against the cavaliers with the warriors because he signed with them uh not so long ago but i'm sure he's got other things on his mind as opposed to what's happening to he's not been playing much has he no i think he played six seconds in game three <laughs> yikes um, let's see. He was arrested for driving under the influence, but mm. so far that's, I think that's, because it only happened, I think, this week. So, the divorce is not yet final. It, it was a, a 2015 Escalade, in case you were all curious. Oh, nice. Um, oh, and it looks like the their fight was in 2015? Oh. Wow. That, I, it felt like just yesterday. I can't believe we've been doing the podcast for that long, because we definitely talked about this. Yeah. Wow. We did. He drove nearly 100 miles for the sole purpose of fighting Fisher. Anyway, sorry. We're just having a moment here. Yeah. Um, yeah, this... God, this whole argument has been going on for a long time. <laughs> Matt Barnes holds a grudge. Derek Fisher might hold a grudge, too, for all I know. Yeah, yeah Matt Barnes... Um, I wonder, not to get totally off topic, but um, did the whole incident with him and... Boogie beating people up in that club ever get wrapped up? I don't think so. Because I think we would be on top of it if That's that were the true. case. true. I just, I have no, I don't have a memory of that getting finalized. So yeah, Matt Barnes and his finals is never the answer, <laughs> except sometimes it is. Um, I don't think that that motto has uh, served him well uh, based on his subsequent uh, legal issues, but... No. Has he commented on this whole situation? I haven't he seen hasn't. anything. No, I, I haven't seen anything either, and that's what I sort of meant by I'm sure he's much busier sure. focusing on, you know, having winning a championship. He needs to, like, not have his ex-wife driving around in cars that are registered to him, though. Yeah, they are. Um, so they should be on top of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they should be changing that pronto. Because they've been, the divorce has been final since December of 2016. Mm-hmm. I guess that maybe is not, like, high on the list of things for her to do, but still. Yeah. Because do we know, would he be, as the owner of the car, or who the car is registered to, is he going to be held responsible? It sounds like the only people who may have potentially been hurt were Derek Fisher and Gloria Govan. Um, yeah, no, not another car was... bystander or anything. Yeah, so um, I actually had this conversation a little earlier today, just trying to figure out if there was maybe someone else involved. Um, Fisher's... If there is like you know conditions of his own insurance where he mm-hmm. could be where his insurance company would be on the hook for damage or uh, either property or personal damage um, that could possibly happen or um, the insurance policy that covers the car that company could go after Eric Fisher for the money so yeah that's that's basically what I found out so there's probably no way that it really impacts Derek Fisher unless he's paying for the insurance premiums as part of his 
Impacts Matt Barnes, you mean? Oh, sorry, yes. Impacts Matt Barnes if he's paying for alimony or the upkeep of the car as part of the divorce settlement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so that was our three-minute warning. Next up? Um, Our reality TV stoop, which also uh, transitions nicely because this is also dealing with a terrible breakdown of a marriage. Um, It's a little, the timing is a little off um, because this incident happened back in March of 2017, but it is just now being covered on uh, this season of The Real Housewives of New York. Uh, Bethany Frankel, of uh, she's the woman who created Skinny Girl, um, which was sold to Jim Beam Liquor for like tens, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars a few years ago. Um, which is insane. Yeah, I because I've tasted that stuff. It's god-awful. Um, but anyway, uh, Bethany's done, worked her, at, well, take a step back. Um, Bethany was an original cast member on The Real Housewives of New York, and when she started off, she was living in, like, a crappy one-room apartment in New York, just, like, hustling, trying to get this business off the ground. Now, 10, 12 years later, she is, like, a yeah. fucking mogul. Um, so, setting aside her terrible personality, she's a really impressive woman. Um, after she she was on The Real Housewives, she then got her own show, um that followed her relationship with her then fiance, who she married, uh, Jason Hoppy. Their marriage fell apart. I would argue based on watching them on the TV show because he <laughs> came to work for her and he didn't like being bossed around by his wife, which I mean, I can understand that, but maybe like don't quit your job to try and take over your wife's company when you've done like literally nothing to help her build the business. But anyway, um, so they had a kid Their marriage fell apart. They had a very long, drawn-out, super ugly divorce. Um, He basically was, like, squatting in the apartment that she bought in Tribeca. He wouldn't leave. She she didn't have a home. And she would cry on the TV show about, I'm the richest homeless person in New York City, and it made you want to punch her. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it did. I mean, I don't know. I felt a little sorry for her because she had worked so freaking hard to get this apartment, and then this jackass comes along and takes it away from her. But... Anyway, their divorce has now been resolved. Their daughter, Bryn, is six. They have shared custody of her. Um, but the recent um, incident between the two of them stems from a fight they had. I shouldn't say fight they had because it sounds like it was mostly Jason Hoppy hurling abuse at Bethany Frankel outside of their daughter's school about how, like, it doesn't matter how many lawyers you have, they can't protect you. I'm warning you. Um, he has been, there are records of him calling and FaceTiming her Hundreds of times. Oh, my God. Um, So he's been... He was arrested um, for stalking. Um, He... uh, Her attorney has said that his uh, behavior um, shows, you know, years of systematic bullying, harassment, stalking, and torment on an almost daily basis. Hoppy was charged with um, harassment in the first degree and stalking in the fourth degree. He has pled not guilty. He does not want to take a plea deal. He wants to fight this. Yikes. Um, I just, ugh, Screaming at your ex-wife and threatening her in front of a elementary school just seems like, man, just take the plea deal and <laughs> yes. do go your, away. Do your community service hours and go away. Um, but yeah, it took them almost... Their divorce proceedings went on longer than their marriage did. That's like, so horrible. Really 
awful. Um, but in any event, this the reason I am bringing this up this week is because it was um, in the season of The Real Housewives of New York that's airing now. This incident is uh, being covered, obviously not in real time, since they filmed in the winter mm-hmm. um, and spring. But, uh, you know, Bethany... It's been a theme of this season that she's still, even though her divorce is finalized, he is not gone. No. Um, I mean, he never will be because they have a kid together, mm-hmm. but, like, he's clearly... We only get her side of the story on the show, but um, it sounds like Mr. Hoppy is refusing to move on, um, and it seems pretty traumatic for her. So, yeah, um, so yeah we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Bethany does have a beautiful new apartment now, and... Uh, it sounds like she might be getting a spinoff show with one of the guys from Million Dollar Listing New York. Um, because they're they'll... doing real estate together? I believe oh. so. Because he sold her, he helped her buy the apartment that she bought after the divorce and sell. She got her apartment back as part mm. of the divorce settlement, but she sold it because it was like a toxic place for her. Yeah, I could see why you wouldn't want to go back there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so friends of mine have told me that I watch far too much reality TV and this whole conversation will do nothing to uh, make them feel any differently. But whatever, I love these ladies. They make <laughs> me feel better about myself because I'm not as crazy as they are. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, wow, sad to watch, but hopefully uh, I'm sure Bethany always seems to come out on top, so I'm sure she will. It'll all work out she for her. She seems like a very resilient lady. Um, I don't know very much about her except for that skinny girl brand um, and and what you've told me today. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, it's in earlier seasons they've had fights about whether some of her co-stars like helped actually came up with the idea for Skinny oh, Girl and then there was one of the they should, they should get credit for that right and then one of her other castmates um, Sonia Morgan who was married to like a member of the J.P. Morgan banking dynasty um, she started producing a line of Prosecco called Tipsy Girl and oh, Bethany she, lost her I shit. I was say, did she get a cease and desist letter? <laughs> no, I forget what they, like a cannibal brand or something. There's a business term for brands that like piggyback oh. off of other mm-hmm. brands. Um, and so Bethany stopped speaking to her for a while. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's um, that's it for the reality TV stoop for this week. Um, I um, just want to, uh, because I really don't have much to say on reality TV. And, I know, didn't you, didn't you, you should tell folks about your attempt to watch Southern Charm and it didn't go well. <laughs> so I, I forgot what day it was, but it was last week sometime and I was going through the channels and Southern Charm was on. And I was like, oh, hey, Burke has talked about this, <laughs> the show. I will just like watch it for a little bit just to see because not that I feel like I know these characters or anything, but at least, you know, the, the names are familiar. So I watched it for 10 minutes and like after the 10 minutes, I literally had to go take a shower. It was yeah. horrible. They were talking about, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he used to be like the state treasurer or something. Yeah, Thomas Ravenel, yeah. T-Rav. And how... Um, Who went to jail for selling coke. He was in federal yes. prison for like six months, yeah. But is, I thought maybe he was trying to come back into public yes, life. Yes, so if that was from last season, he ran against Lindsey Graham for Senate. Oh, okay, so I... <laughs> and yeah. he got 4% of the vote. Um, yeah, I didn't really yeah. place the, the timing and the context mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, but... Uh, yeah, I just was, I just couldn't do it. It was ten minutes. It was ten minutes. I will not get back. It's fair. I'm glad I'm doing my part to help rot the brains of more Americans. So, <laughs> um, but I did want to just really quickly before we ended. Um, not that the sport is for everyone because it's mostly 
like engaged in by rich white people. But um, the America's Cup is coming up um, in Bermuda in a couple of weeks. Right now they're going through the challengers to determine who the challenger will be to the United States of America. Um, but the only reason why I want to encourage people, if they haven't watched any of these races, to watch um, is that it's just an amazing engineering feat and an amazing feat of like technology about these boats that are racing. They spend like 96 to 98 percent of the time out of the water because they're up on these uh, what they call foils. Um, and, and like they're going like 35 miles per hour on the water. It's insane. It looks like they're I, I don't frequently watch um, sailing, but it seriously looks like they're just like floating yeah. above the water. It's pretty cool. It, it's um, it's not it's basically the, the, uh, the sail of the boat is fixed and it's really it acts more like an airplane wing than a sail, which most people are used to, like, you know, flipping back and forth, like tacking from one side of the boat to the other to change directions. It's, it's really remarkable. But um, America's Cup was in San Francisco in 2013, and um, just being able to stand on the shore and watch these boats, like, literally zip by was is quite amazing. So in Bermuda, they sort of set up the same kind of, uh, like, stadium complex where the racing happens, and there's, uh, like, seating along the shores, and people can, like, you know, see it from, like... It's not happening that far away from them, so they have a very good vantage point. And the races are really short. They take about 20 minutes, so you can get in and out. Um, and it looks like possibly um, it might be Emirates Team New Zealand again. They're right now uh, racing against Artemis Racing from Sweden to determine who will face uh, Team Oracle and the United States of America. But that's all happening, I think, on NBC Sports Network. So... Frequently, the races are on the weekends, um, and it's pretty good coverage. And again, I said the races are really short, but the boats are amazing. So I would encourage people if you don't, if if there's no Southern Charm on or there's no Real Housewives on, like flip over to NBCSN and and just check out a race because it's it's just amazing. Uh, and I will also take this opportunity to give a shout out to my friend Rich, who is from Bermuda and he lives there, and he is um, a big. Uh, uh, booster of Bermuda and tourism and um, you should go and visit I don't know you probably missed the window to go to the America's Cup but Bermuda is awesome um, and if you don't want to watch it on TV just freaking fly down there and go <laughs> check it out yeah it's it looks beautiful from what I've seen so far so the island doing is so job. small you can get from one side to the other in, in like a half an hour or something like that so That's I'm probably cool. exaggerating but I got from one end of the island to the other on a bus so that didn't take that long <laughs> Considering that it had to make stops. So right. um, that's it for us this week. Um, if you want to find us. Um, you can always check out our Twitter or Instagram at UFR underscore BG. Um, you can go to our website under further review dash BG dot com um, or send us an email at under further review dot BG at gmail dot com. And for those of you who are wondering, we really did try and get the same handle for everything <laughs> It just didn't work out, so um, bear with us. Yeah, it's, well, you know, I was thinking about that the other day because I was watching the last episode of Men in Blazers, sure. and they have the same problem. Like, their Twitter, Instagram, website, and Gmail, all different like, Great. So suffixes. If so they can if they can overcome it, so can we. Exactly, and they seem to be backed by way more money than us, so... Really. We need to start our own, like, am well... I, that's the company that cannot be named, according to some of our listeners. Oh. But we could start like our own virtual store, and people can 
support us. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll have that discussion. We're still working on. Yeah, we owe you theme music yes. before we start asking for money. So, <laughs> um, so thanks everyone for listening, and um, we'll be back next week with more um, exciting legal troubles from our favorite celebrities and athletes. Bye.